Well, hello, hello, and welcome to another broadcast of Obstruction to Justice. I'm Ann Moles, and I just want to welcome you to this broadcast today. Feel free to chime in on today. We are going to jump in and talk about, of course, relevant topics of the day. And, uh, well, you know, a little bit of business. Somebody, folks have been handling their business, getting ready for the 2021 Olympics. So it's like, we're going to be talking about business too. And Olympic people that are, are qualifying for the Olympics, do you know how much effort it takes to get to that level of perfecting their gift? So, it's still about business to me. Hey, come on. So feel free to chime in. And uh, we're going to talk about uh, the Olympic uh, Tokyo 2021 Olympics, the women's track and field team, who's going to go so far, what we can see. And these are pretty good stats about who's going. And mention a big shout out to the local Olympic champion, Mr. Maurice Green. Big shout out to him. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about critical race theory, too. Now, I don't know how much of it we can really dive into because it seems to be sort of a, you know, a taboo type of conversation uh, piece right now, critical race theory. But, you know, we're going to just kind of discuss what is it all about? Where did it come from? Excuse me. What, what's, you know, why, why is it such a big, big, um, you know, why are people talking about it now? Why is it there a big discussion? Why don't people want to talk about it? So anyway, that, and we're going to talk about the last two, the last two uh, of the seven Kwanzaa days of Kwanzaa. And of course we know why that's important because Kwanzaa has been, uh, we've been looking at that the past few weeks and Kwanzaa has some great, some great, um, ideals in what it stands for. And I just think it's super. So we're going to, you know, jump in and, and uh, talk a little bit about that. And of course, me being a Christian, we're going to kind of wrap this all up and throw some scripture out there to make all of this make sense. Because the, God is not an author of confusion. He certainly is it is not. He is not an author of confusion. And he has perfectly stated what his purpose is for people and and in in his word and or you got a couple of scriptures to throw out there and and uh hold to that foundation of who god is and what he stands for so that just gets rid of all of the controversy because when it's all said and done it's about what's going on with the bigums uh god our creator our creator god uh, good evening. Good evening, Reza Singleton. Good evening to you, too. Glad that you joined. So, you know, let's just get right on into it. I am super excited about this, uh, this young lady that has just taken the world 
by storm, as they say, uh, because, you know, they consider her brash, cocky, uh, all of that or whatever. But uh, really, what is this all about? What is this lady all about? And that's Shakiri Richardson. Shakiri Richardson. And NBC has a great um great news reel out here on the YouTube and it is now Shakiri Richardson now America's fastest woman scorches her Olympic trials final and you know it's out there if you want to go out there and check it out as far as the run when uh, she you know they have different different flavors of sharing and what it is that showing that newsreel about her running. But I just want to kind of let some of this commentating play here. Let the commentator talk a little bit here too. Let's listen in. The women's 100 meter final. And that's Shakari Richardson, who is the overwhelming favorite in this final. And that's because for the entire year, she has been running times that we simply have not seen from an American woman in a very long time. When you stand just five feet, one inches tall, you get told your entire life what you cannot do. That chip on her shoulder is because every time she's been told that, she's been over able to overcome those odds and get it done. Okay, this is all right. Who is always aware of the spotlight being on her. She wants that. She needs it. The United States women have not won the Olympic gold in this event since 1996. So it's going to take somebody who is audacious and bold and brash to get the United States back on the top. But don't look just now. Shelly Ann Fraser-Price, the reigning world champion. You know, right there. Did he say it all? I think he did. I think he said it. In that, yes, that chip on her shoulder wasn't about, you don't know where people come from. And I, I can't justify a person's personality one way or another. They are just who they are. I can only be responsible for my personality and who I am. But I know that even for just the life that we live sometimes, you just have to be bold about what it is you do. <laughs> and she is super bold about what it is she has done to accomplish the feat of getting in there and standing on her gift. They even have a, um, they have a newsreel about her after she gets finished running a heat she runs and races up in the stands and she gets over to where her grandmother was and just falls into her big big mama see i'm big mama i, I you know falls into her grandmother's arms and that right there that is a great honor to know that she is remembering the grandmother that just poured into her. And, you know, we've been talking about that on some of the other broadcasts, too, about how how important it is for us as people, as Christians, as believers, as 
uh, great citizens of the United States of America, how important it is to pour into your children. And, you know, she had shared too on one of the newsreels after uh, the commentator and reporter was talking with her. And she just said, look, without her grandmother and these people, her family that were there supporting her, without her family there, those people there that wouldn't have been a Shakira Richardson. That's what she said. And, you know, that is just big kudos, big ups to girl. She is on fire and shining bright. And we just wish her well. We wish her well. Now, I don't want to forget either. Before we go, before we move on, let me just go ahead and share too the stats of the the women's track and field Olympic team. So let's do this. I think it is this here. Now, this is also, yes, this is NBC, NBC Sports. They're sharing the results from the U.S. Olympic track and field trials for the Tokyo Games in Eugene, Oregon. And he says, in most events, the top three finishers are in line to make the team. And we can see Shakiri Richardson at, at 10.86. Now, see, this is the 100 meters. <laughs> this, is, this is the super fast. This is super fast running here. And Giovanni Oliver and Tia Tina, Tina Daniels. So it looks like the top three there, the times there. And I believe they're all under the same coach. And that says something too, that that coach, big, big kudos, big ups to that coach that is pouring into these team players, these Olympians, now Olympians going in to handle some business there. Ah, Allison Felix is, she's running the 400. She's in the top three for the women's 400 meter going to, meters going to the Olympics. I recognize her name. And there's some others out there, you know, do your research. You know, I just, I like following people as much as I can about what they're doing. And it is just, uh, you know, just a, just a big fun thing that's coming up and a big honor to represent uh, your country, to represent the United States of America, represent your country your, and your people as well, because these are some sister girls handling their business. Big, big ups to them. All right. So, yeah, super. Hmm. Got the Olympics coming up, going on, and just want to keep keep those good thoughts and prayers for the people that are running and doing their uh, working in their gifts and talents to handle that. Now we can't mention the Olympics without remembering the fastest man in the world. <laughs> he was declared the fastest man in the world, and this was uh, this was in the the nineties, but, uh, still we have a local Olympian and I'm just going to go ahead and share what they have out here on Wikipedia. Now this might not be 100%, but it looks, it looks pretty, pretty right to me as far as, uh, 
getting who he is out here right now. Mr. Maurice Green, and it does show a nice picture of him. Uh, Green, after winning the 100-meter event at the 2000 Summer Olympics in Sydney. So he did that in Sydney. Uh, I remember him from the 90s because uh, we I had met Mr. Green at Park. Then it was Park College. Well, Park University. It, it's Park University now. And he went there for a time. So, uh, you know, we were, I didn't have any classes with him. I was a non-traditional student going back. And that's a long story. But yeah, a non-traditional student going back and trying to handle a few things so that I could take care of my family. That was something that I aspired to do. And during that time, because he is uh, quite a bit younger than I am here. Uh, so uh, it has his birthday out here. But uh, in 1974, it looks like he was a July 23rd, 1974. He's got a birthday coming up. But Mr. Maurice Green is an American former track and field sprinter who specialized in the 100 meters and 200 meters. And it, he is a former 100-meter world record holder with a time of 9.79 seconds. And during the height of his career, that's 1997 through 2004, he won four Olympic medals and was a five-time world champion. And this included three golds at the 1999 World Championships, a feat which had previously only been achieved by Carl Lewis and Michael Johnson and has since been equaled by three others. But he was, uh, there There we go. So he won that 100 meters in uh, the 2000 Summer Olympics in Sydney. And that was a cool Olympics. I, I do try to get a chance to watch the Olympics coming. You know, I, I try to support uh, the Olympic teams and everything, because that's still, that's part of who uh, it's our, it's our culture. You know, it's, uh, it's, uh, a great honor to represent the country that has, um, has been good to us in spite of, cause we're going there. We're going to talk about some, some issues here, some things that are coming up, but, you know, and what we deal with as well, but even still, you know, it's a great honor to do that. Now, uh, let me go ahead and share. There was a little piece out here on uh, the YouTube as well that shows the the 100 meter final at the Sydney Olympic 2000 Olympic Games. And there it is. There's the picture, the 100 meter final Sydney 2000 Olympic Games. And let's just listen in a little bit. There was a couple of false starts in this uh, in this race here. So it was it really did lead up to, oh, my goodness, what's going on and who's going to win. But uh, let's check this out. 32 years, only one American has won the 100 meters final, and that's Carl Lewis in 84 and 88. They have dominated. There the he spin, is. But Lewis is the only American since 1968 to win the men's 100. As Green goes down in lane five. Getting ready. He didn't fall or anything. He's just getting start. ready. It all has to be split section, second reaction. There's no room for mistakes here. This is the most important race of their life. So they're almost set. Green four from the left. Oh, and again, Zakari, as I think See, he the did false the start there. Up and bringing a couple out with him. 
It's always nerve-wracking when this happens. It had to have been frustrating. See lane two, two from the top of screen is Zakari coming out, and Bolden quick to move as well out in lane eight. Does it suit Bolden being so far away from Green and Thompson and Chambers, do you think? He can either work for him or against him. He won't be distracted and he won't be there with them for the action. So okay, so they're just trying to get back in the saddle there. We will see. When it comes to the Olympics, it is the heavyweight championship, this one. The men's 100-meter final. Some deep breaths, some composure, go through the routine and run the race of your life. Okay, Away. here we go. This is Bolden it. A terrific start out wide. Green accelerates. Behind him, Chambers and then Thompson. Green and Bolden. It's not going to be much in it. Green's got him now and moves away. I think the brother walked it down. Huh? He walked like it down. What a great race that was. A great race. And, you know... <laughs> That right there, that that was a, a monument world, but a personal, I, I don't know what else can happen in a lifetime when people meet a goal like that. And that's exactly what he did. He met a wonderful goal. So we're just going to say uh, prayers for those that are headed to the Olympics. You know, I, I don't want anyone to, to lose. I think that, you know, but of course it is competition and uh, it's all right. It's all right. So let's, let me just go ahead and share here too. We're going to talk a little bit about, and I'm just going to read a little bit of information about what, what is this critical race theory? Of course, you can go ahead and chime in if you have some questions or a comment, you know, this is just discussion to kind of get a handle on, on what is the critical race theory? What, what's going on? What, what does it, what does it mean? So let me go ahead and share this screen here and check it out. We'll share this window. Uh, well, I might want to pull some things up first. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not, uh, you know, people are getting kind of bent out of shape about it. It's, uh, there's some people that say, yes, you know, this is what, uh, this is important and you know, some people are saying no, but uh, we're, I'm just going to just kind of chime in, you know, based on, you know, what is it? What are the meaning? What's the meaning of it? Let's see here. All right. The race. Yeah, it's critical. <laughs> so not just the race when those that are going to the Olympics, that's critical. You know, it's critical. You've poured in all this time and lifetime effort and people are really have gifted you. It's critical that you go out there and do your best. That's great. Uh, but uh, yeah, critical race theory. Let's see what, what's up with this here. Uh, let's grab this. All right. What I understand critical race theory to be. Now, this is more information off of Wikipedia. You know, of course, whenever you're using that, go ahead and make sure you reference it and source it to other um, other written written information. Now, my book, I can't really. I've been working on um, the black uh, black tax book, and I'm so I'm actually working on it, and reading and looking into it. But here's another one: the color of law. 
that's another book that I'm going to dive into. You know, when you have an interest in something, there are people that have studied this and studied interests. There, you know, you can find a book just on uh, just about anything that you know you would be interested in. There's a, probably a book out there for it. And I did do some d searching, and and I decided to invest in a few books that may get me closer to what it is that. Um, you know, get a better understanding of how people are seeing things. What What is all this all about? Well, the color of law, I'm going to dig into that. It says it's a forgotten history of how our government segregated America. It's by Richard Ro Rothstein. So we're going to check him out and see what he has to say there. But, you know, I'm going to take my time and do that as well. So now the critical race theory is an academic movement of civil rights scholars and activists in the United States who seek to critically examine the law as it intersects with issues of race and to challenge mainstream liberal approaches to racial justice. Uh, critical race theory examines social uh, cultural and legal issues as they relate to race and racism. Uh, critical race theory originated in the mid-1970s in the writings of several American legal scholars, including Derrick Bell, Alan Freeman, uh, Kimberley, Crenshaw, Richard Delgado, Cheryl Harris, uh, Charles R. Lawrence III, Marie Matsuda and Patricia J. Williams. It emerged as a movement by the 1980s and reworking theories of critical legal studies at CLS, that's the acronym used, with uh, more focus on race. Now, both critical race theory and critical legal studies are rooted in critical theory an approach to social theory established by members of the Frankfurt School, which argues that social problems are influenced and created by more, created more by social structures and cultural, and cultural assumptions than by individual and psychological factors, okay? Critical race theory sees racism as systematic and institutional rather than a collection of individual prejudices. It also views race as a socially constructed identity. Uh, the theory of em theory emphasizes how racism and desperate racial outcomes can be the result of complex changing and often subtle social and institutional dynamics rather than explicit and intentional prejudices by individuals. In the field of legal studies, critical race theory emphasizes that merely making laws colorblind on paper may not be enough to make the application of the laws colorblind. Okay, ostensibly, colorblind laws can be applied in racially discriminatory ways, intersectional, in, intersectional, 
intersectionality, intersectionality, which emphasizes that race can intersect with other identities such as a gender and a class to produce a complex combination of power and disadvantage. In a key concept in critical is a key concept in critical race theory. Okay, so uh, it's getting a little detailed and I, I appreciate it. We just have one little other section to mention about it. Academic critics of critical race theory argue that it relies on social construct constructionism, elevates storytelling over evidence, and rejects the concepts of truth and merit and opposes liberalism. Okay, that's academic critics. So that's what they're saying. They're uh, the critics of critical race theory. They're arguing that it relies on social construct constructionism, elevates storytelling over evidence and reason. Well, uh, and it rejects the concept of truth and merit and opposes liberalism. Well, let's look at that first part, elevate storytelling over evidence and reason. Now, these books that I've been mentioning, uh, the, the Color of Law and the Black Tax, uh, those are two, and that's just the beginning. I have pulled books that have, have documentation of evidence that supports the discrimination and laws and the logistics of the discriminatory laws that show that there is uh, a society we've talked about redlining that in this society there is uh, there have been legal and laws that have been written to discriminate okay so uh, I don't understand what it is that what more evidence the critics would need other than the definite evidence that the law itself was intended to be discriminatory. Whether it was intended to be discriminatory or not, discriminating or not, it was and it is. And it has held back generations of people uh, of the ethnicity of the African-American descent that, you know, to where we, and those of us, I'm an African-American woman, we're, we're just, we've had, uh, we've had disadvantages and not being able to pass down wealth to our children. So it causes, it has big, huge, it's caused big, huge disparities in the social outcome in this country even though we as African-Americans have invented uh, invented things and have done things for this country and have poured out the, the blood and the sweat and the tears to build this country, uh, we are still not in the economic situation of being able to prosper uh, for many reasons. And then from there, what there has to be, there is a systematic process that allows for the discrimination and even self, self discrimination and self loathing that would go on in a society that continues to beat down uh, 
beat down a person to make them feel like they're nothing or sub subhuman, right? So I don't understand what it is that they're uh, wanting as far as the critics of of the critical race theory. What that that argue that um, that that argument that they're saying storytelling. Well, there's no story. It's the the issue is that enough hasn't been told. The truth hasn't been told to the point to where no one wants to talk about what are the, you know, the disadvantages and what is, has been the atrocities that have come upon a, a nation of people within this nation. So people want to just be quiet about it, sweep it up under the rug, say that it's not our time or not the time to talk about it or it doesn't exist. They want to bury their heads in the sand like ostriches. I mean, until everyone talks about the history of America to the point to where uh, the truth is told, not not the stories, at, well, shoot, just the truth, you know, talk, then it, it will always continue to be an issue of us. Uh, of segregation, whether it be, it may not be next door neighbor, but yeah, of course, redlining still exists and social redlining still exists. And, you know, and of course, even in the, the uh, churches around the country, uh, the most segregated hour in America is are within the church, you know, the church communities, that's what they say, you know, uh, but people tend to flock with who, who they can relate to. And even in relating, because America is a melting pot of human beings and cultures, then we need to learn how to relate as human beings and, and, and culture uh, and represent America well. So it says uh, here that since 2020, conservative lawmakers in the United States have sought to ban or re strict critical race theory instruction along with other anti-racism programs. Critics of these efforts say the tenets and importance of critical race, race theory have been poorly defined or misrepresented and that lawmakers' goals is to silence broader discussions of racism, equality, social justice, and the history of race. Yeah, well... <laughs> I didn't get down to that part, but I think I've said it, you know, and that's, you, you have to talk about it. It has to be, you know, how often do you talk about it? Well, as long as there's violence and there is oppression and there are still laws and there are still history books that are misrepresenting the, the real truth, that those are the storytellers, you know, when you have a book and you open it up and it's not telling the real truth about who invented something or who did what in this country, or just, you know, you just don't write African-Americans in the history book. Uh, that's why we have to have uh, black history books that are written by black authors and so that the history gets told. So until that happens, then lawmakers, I would say, get used to it. Get used to it because this is something that is not going to go away it will stay. It will stay. Um, and yes, it is critical. It is life changing. It is an important subject to get 
to where it has to be told, it has to be said, because, you know, we're still, we're dealing, still dealing with the, the differences and the oppression of, of uh, slavery in itself, because in the minds of people, uh, no one is acknowledging that it happened. And, and yes, uh, there are still atrocities that, they're lingering on from that, you know, no one is admitting to that. So I say, continue on with the conversation. <laughs> so the theory, the theories are, are meant to be challenged because in theory, uh, theories are, are just, uh, something that you come up with. Well, Hey, is this, is this true? Right. It's like a hypothesis. Well, uh, we can pull data. There's still, uh, when it comes to the census, we're talking about even households, African-American households that are still headed pre predominantly by uh, females. Where are the males? We still talk about, we, we still uh, have an issue of incarceration and the laws that incarcerated African-American males. Uh, what about even in the laws where they were the crack cocaine or the epidemic of crack, crack cocaine. Well, there was an epidemic of powder cocaine. But uh, if you were caught with crack cocaine, you did way more double time. And your life was taken away from you than if you were caught with powder cocaine. Well, what? why was that? You know, I think that... Um, uh, because of it being a, an epidemic pushed in the black communities and the communities to oppress them with drugs. You know, if you're sad about your situation, get high hmm, or uh, get drunk like what they did with the Native Americans. You know, people are are uh, still have an issue of alcoholism and and issues of that nature. Well, hey, crack cocaine was something that uh black community was fighting against. So it was just another way to, to put African Americans in jail and prisons to fuel the prison system, which is a modern day form of slavery in itself. So what the heck? Come on, let's talk about it. Let's deal with the critical race theory. Let's, let's pull out the data, hmm? the books, educate ourselves. It's plenty of them out there. And plenty, you can always find a Yahoo. <laughs> you can always find a Yahoo to uh, speak against what is in the best interest of a nation of people within the nation. I've, I've heard them too. And it's like, really? Really, dude? Well, of course, they have their big paychecks and they, you know, are getting paid for saying what they're believing and why wouldn't they believe any different? And they have their big homes and careers and they get called on to say something that's popular. So uh, why not continue to say it because their, their mouths are getting fed and their families are getting fed. Well, we need to look bigger. We need to uh, not be so popular. I know I'm not a popular person. No, <laughs> not. But, you know, the voice that I have, I'm going to use it to the best of my ability. And I think that those who do use, use their voices, uh, they're, at least you can sleep better at night. And 
uh, whether or not you get the pat on the back. Hmm, that's not so important, but you make a difference because here there's a belief system that goes against the status quo that says, look, you can't destroy my brother. You can't destroy my sister. You can't tear down my family anymore. And uh, we do talk a lot about what are some things that we can do to make ourselves aware and uh, to be encouraged to know that just because a society says that we're uh, subhuman or not human or three-fifths human or the Constitution has to keep, uh, keep something in it to say that we belong as human beings, that's, that's irrelevant. That's irrelevant because the truth is, is that there's one book there's one book who uh, has, it's been written by our creator, God, with the inspiration that he has given us human beings to write and his Holy Spirit has guided to direct so that the truth is the truth. And we're going to show a couple of scriptures here at the end of this mini presentation. So that's what's up with um, with the critical race theory. And we may come back to it um, just to get a better understanding. I don't think that reading it through once is going to uh, make it make it clear. It doesn't make it clear for me. Uh, that's why I study. <laughs> I study different things. That's what studying is all about. You hear it once and then it's, ah, well, you know, but well, we study all kinds of things, don't we? You know, if we want to learn the words to our favorite hip hop artist or rap star, then we'll, we'll learn the words to that. Or if we want to learn the words to whatever, you know, we'll learn the words to that. Well, we don't have to learn verbatim, but we should at least be aware and familiar with what uh, what issues are uh, important to uh, the nation within a nation, our communities, so that we can uh, be aware of how people are voting, how are what what are the uh, beliefs of those who are in the political arena. What, what's, what are they standing for? We should be able to, to logically understand what we understand situations to be so that we can vote for those that have like-minded understandings and, and, and be able to resolve, you know, some of these issues that, with laws and then to hold people accountable so that they can, um, so that the laws that are written can stand and make a difference in our society. All right. So let's look here and we're just going to kind of finish up here. Now, Kwanzaa, the study of Kwanzaa, we've been going through this for a few weeks and I've really enjoyed it. You know, of course, Kwanzaa celebrates, uh, it celebrates the seven principles or seven principles of Kwanzaa and it celebrates the, it's an African-American heritage. And of course, um, uh, it celebrates uh, principles, and these these words are uh, inspired. They're Swahili Swahili words. We talk about emoja, which is unity. We talk about uh, kunji jangalia, which is self determination. We talked about ujima, which is, means collective work and responsibility. Uh, we talked about ujama cooperative economics, and NIA, which means purpose. We talked about that last week. Uh, Kuumba, Kuumba, it means creativity. And to 
to do always as much as we can in the way we can in order to leave our community more beautiful and beneficial than we inherited it. That's what Kuumba means, the creativity. Uh, it says uh, to, to always do as much as we can. And I think that, that that really has been a trick of the enemy. One one of the things I was listening to, one of the Christian uh, broadcasters, um, one of the Christian bro- programmers, and, you know, there's a question that came about. It says, well, doesn't the devil know that that he's a defeated foe? And, you know, and he's just defeated. Doesn't the devil know he can't win against God? Well, The guy said something that, you know, I've thought about, and I'm sure you have too, but his response was, it just depends on what you call winning, right? He, you know, he, 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 he knows he can't defeat God. He's not going to win when it comes to defeating God, but what about those that God loves, right? So if you can keep, uh, God's people from being productive from being uh, successful when it comes to the walk with him, you know, to accept the grace and the mercy of God to, if you can get the church to be uh, lackadaisical and where it's not so important and um, you know, for backsliding all the time and just not doing all that the church can, then it's just inevitable. Isn't that a win? Right? So that's, what he was thinking. And, you know, that's one of the reasons why we do what we do when it comes to ministry, our faith-based ministry that we support uh, is because it's important to do all we can, (laughs) do all we can for the Lord hmm? and for the Lord's work, because that's really what it's all about when it's all said and done. This is his world. And we have to be reminded of that. Okay, and then the last principle, this is the last principle of the seven, Imani, which means faith. To believe with all our hearts in our people, our parents, our teachers, our leaders, and the righteousness and victory of our struggle. Okay, Imani. Now, the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all thy heart. Proverbs, lean not to your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path and him speaking and meaning God. So we understand that that is principle. That's the first and foremost idea and understanding about what faith is and the trust is. So when we believe in our hearts and our people, as as long as the people are following Christ, okay. Uh, I'm not saying the people have to be perfect because, you know, who knows, big mamas, papas or whatever, you know, people aren't perfect, but uh, there, there should be something that the, the family can give to nurture and give back so that there, the society that we have would be a better place for our children. And I think that's one of the main issues of why this is, uh, this critical race theory and the oppression, uh, the color of law and the black tax and all of what I'm reading, why it's so important to understand because 
we do have to keep, continue to move forward to make our society a better place than what we've received it as. It's our responsibility as human beings. Um, so that's something that, you know, even the Lord, you know, we want to leave an inheritance for our children and children's children, right? We want to not just eat up everything ourselves and not leave anything for our children, but we want to to leave this world a better place. We want to leave this world a better place for our children and children's children, our grandchildren, and teach the children that we have to leave it and do better. I think that's what's important. So, yeah, Imani, faith, that's cool. And we're going to have faith in God, and then we're going to trust God to put in our hearts and to create in us clean hearts and to make us as he, like only he can, better. And let's look at a, let's look at a couple of, of scriptures. Uh, there's nothing like uh, God. You know, there's no one like him. It's nothing like what he does. You know, he is, he is, uh, he's great, awesome, mighty, uh, wonderful. He is the El Elyon. You know, he's the big kahuna. He's, he is our father. You know, I can go on and on and on about who he is. He's just wonderful. And, but one thing that he is not, hmm? One thing he is not is he is not what the Bible says. It calls it respecter of persons. Hmm. I want to take a look and you can just jot this down. And, and, you know, when, when you're doing anything great and wonderful in this world, you can't do anything great or wonderful in this world without God. <laughs> you just can't. You know, because he is great. He is wonderful. He is good. So anything that's going on, great, wonderful, good for you, know that it's a gift from him. Know that it's a gift from God. All right. Romans 2, 11 through 16. I want to take a look at that. And here is, I'm going to read it out of the Amplified, but of course, read it out of whatever version you have. And And I would also suggest that you make sure that you know, in all these books that I show and all these books, that, the books that you have and out of all the books that you have, get you, get you a Bible, get you a couple of them hmm? and uh, get you a good amplified new King James, one that you can understand, uh, get one where you can quote it and put that word so that you know what it says, get it down on the inside of you. All right. Verse 11, it says, for God shows no partiality, no arbitrary favoritism with him. One person is not more important than another. Boom. <laughs> He's no respecter of persons guys. Right? So in all of this, what we have to fight against when it comes to critical race theory and racism and discrimination and oppression, look, you're fighting a losing battle because the one, the battle that really matters is the one and how we relate and how our God sees us. So look, he says that he's no respecter of persons. 
Yeah, he shows no per partiality. Now, there's always a joke out there saying, hey, you know, I know I'm his favorite. And of course, he does love his children. You know, we know that about God. Uh, he does love his children. He's angry with the wicked every day. But that's one of the reasons why we receive his his salvation, right? So we do that. Um, let's see, because here's the reason why. For all have sinned without the law will also perish without regard to the law. And all who have sinned under the law will be judged and condemned by the law. For it is not those who merely hear the law as it is read aloud who are just who are just or righteous before God, but it is those who actually obey the law who will be justified, pronounced free of the guilt of sin and declared acceptable to him. So look, all have sin. Let me just take that part. So when you think you're better than the next guy, you got to re regroup, relook at that. Is this just not true? It's not true. It's you, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Uh, and he gets into talking about the Gentiles do not have the law since it was given only to the Jews. And that was in the beginning. Do instinctively the things the law requires guided only by their consciousness. They are a law to themselves, though they do not have the law. They show that the essential requirements of the law are written in their hearts and their conscience, their sense of right and doing their moral choices bearing witness and their thoughts alternately, uh, alternately accusing or perhaps defending them on that day when, as my gospel proclaims, God will judge the secrets, all the hidden thoughts and the concealed sins of men through Christ Jesus. So, you know, anybody that thinks that they're better, want to hold, hold people back, want to hurt people, want to say it's not important to talk about, you know, if, if your brother offends you, you know, you're supposed to work it out. So want to say it's not important to talk about what happened and we're going to bury this for another hundred years. Not on my watch. We're just going to let it go for another hundred years. Shame on you because that's, you're all, it's all going to come to light anyway. And everyone's going to be held accountable in some shape, form or fashion for what they do in this life. Okay. Acts chapter 10, verse 34, opening his mouth, Peter said, now, of course, Peter said this, right? This is Acts. Um, this was after Pentecost, but this is Acts. Uh, opening his mouth, Peter said, most certainly I understand now that God is not one who show, not one to show partiality to people as though Gentiles were excluded from God's blessing. But in every nation, the person who fears God and does what is right by seeking him is acceptable and welcomed by him. So that's really kind of the key. You know, even after we get liberated, even even after the the uh, liberation and the the uh, legal retributions and the laws and the holidays, even after all that is accomplished, let's understand that we still need to get right with him, get right with God. I tell you, you know, this has been pretty enlightening and uh, it's, uh, it's something that won't, it's not going to be resolved. I don't think um, 
within the next five years, but we can, we can sure hack at it. <laughs> we can sure do our best to make sure that the discussion is open and that people are aware. Uh, I think that that is uh, pretty much should have been the next step, even after the civil rights movement sort of moved on silently, quietly into uh, giving people, you know, the jobs of, you know, a few crumbs here, a few, few crumbs there. And, you know, those that could have made a big noise kind of got silent and, you know, sold out. I think there was a lot of that going on. You know, they say they speak for the black race, but, you know, I don't know. I think that we as individuals, African-Americans, European-Americans, uh, Asian-Americans, uh, people should speak up. For themselves and let's talk about it let's talk about it all right big ups to everyone doing big things and i think the best thing that you biggest thing you could be doing is number one love the lord and number two love yourself and love your neighbor as yourself let's do that and now let's hold on to it and thanks for joining another broadcast another broadcast and program we appreciate it huh and check out there's a, a class coming up with ASBNC training and consulting we have uh, the advanced excel class that's coming up uh, in a couple of weeks and go ahead and join that one uh, it's a great class and it's a relationship building if you need a better understanding about Microsoft Excel, you have some, but maybe you have some charts, maybe you have some big data you want to to uh, make happen and pre represent and incorporate in, in your business plans and, and business uh, ideas and decisions that are going on, then, you know, that might be the class for you. And if there's a class that you uh, want to take, but you don't quite see it on the board, Give us a call or contact us, and we will uh, work with you to make that class happen for you, okay? And whatever kind of training you need, we, we do it here with ASBNC Training and Consulting. Maybe you need a learning management system, uh, a bit better understanding about how to build your learning management system. We do have consultants to help with that as well, so... Uh, anything that has to do with training and learning management, ASBNC training and consulting can help. This has been a, U, uh, a uh, Union Rock Hill Films production. Big bucks to our uh, sponsor there, Union Rock Hill Films. And uh, big ups to you. And, of course, if the Lord says the same, we'll see you next time. Justice. 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 Justice now.